Welcome in to another edition of the Half Court Press Podcast. I'm John Niatawa, staring on my, at my computer at my man, Chris Hetty. I haven't shaved. You look good. I shaved you the look, other day. We, we're, officially, we're, <laughs> we're officially one. I look nine now. I look nine years old. Um, we're officially one full beard cycle into quarantine. That's what I decided. Okay. Because so usually it's like, it got to the point where it was like, I need to either trim it a little bit or just go full blow just all the way. Because the last time that I shaved it was Big Ten Tournament. Yeah, I haven't, that shaved. I haven't shaved since uh, New York. Since college basketball was still happening. You're in mourning. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's getting gross. It doesn't look as bad on video. Uh, maybe I should has, just hold up you, an iPad in front of my face when I interact with my wife. <laughs> She's like, Have you thought about just going mustache? Um, you know, perhaps I got a little gap here. Oh yeah. No hair. I don't Mm -hmm. know how to, how to deal with that. And and I got to bust out the trimmer at some point. I just dabbled into some beard ball. Oh yeah. For the first time. I, I, I'm not a facial hair guy. I never have been, but I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Why not? We can only only control so many things in in this life. So we might as well control our facial hair, right? Yeah. So facial (laughs) hair and rewatching the Jordan doc. That's kind of what I've been doing. Oh yeah. How crazy is it, by the way, those jumpers that he hits? Like, he's shooting I know. off balance, fadeaways, leaners, like double clutch in the air jump shots that are money. And it's, I worry about, you know, basketball players that are between the ages of 11 and 14 right now who wa- are watching this documentary being like, yeah, I can do that. I'm going to be like Jordan. I'm going to just pull up from 12 and every coach in America is going to be like, that's not how we do things. Yeah, anymore. Do that, I'm sorry. Do <laughs> yeah. I just, I'd like to see somebody try. Uh, obviously, like you said, it, it, the game has changed and mid range J's are frowned upon, especially, especially like off balance mid range J's, not just yeah. the, you know, one dribble pull up or your wide open um, spot up jumper J's like Jordan was, was hitting ridiculous shots was kobe the last main nba player to do that because lebron doesn't do that no russell doesn't really do that and james harden doesn't really do that Giannis doesn't do that yeah i think kobe might have been the last guy that's like i'll just dominate from 15 to 18 right i mean the thing is the argument is is if you could hit that shot with consistency then it is still a good shot yeah it's just a lot of people can't or it's around the same consistency as a three-pointer so why don't you just take a couple steps back right. and increase, you know, your points per possession rate right. uh, by hitting that jump shot. Okay. New age basketball talk. We can, uh, <laughs> we can do that anytime, but we we're really here. Did. We're here to break down the latest in Creighton and Nebraska hoops. That is the point of the half court press podcast. And we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks. So there's a lot to get to. Uh, kind of wanted to start with your poll question, Chris, you uh, posed a question on Twitter asking for Nebraska fans and um, sort of like, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you were basically just like, does it bother you that Nebraska has recycled its roster in, twice in two years? Right. Accurate? Yeah. So, so it was prompted because I've gotten so many emails recently about it. Um, every time that a player leaves or a player commits, I get one or two emails from somebody complaining about it. Um, even though Nebraska had two scholarship like even though most people knew Nebraska had two scholarships open when somebody commits, then it reminds them that's somebody new. And then I get another email. So I asked how much does it bother you that Nebraska basketball has been a revolving door of players over the last 12 months. So in, in total, they've brought in 16 players of the last, I guess it's 17 now over the last, um, since Fred Hoberg was hired. Mm. Um, If I remember correctly, I have the, have the numbers somewhere else but most of the I mean almost all of them have been transfers sit out transfers um there's been a couple grad transfers Trevor Lakes is from division two there's only been a handful of freshmen um so and a couple you know obviously some junior college guys and so I was just wondering does it matter does it you know is the general thought it doesn't matter just when is it because does it bother you a little does it bother you a lot or do you have no opinion on it um the winner was it doesn't matter uh, which was about 50%, which is, you know, kind of what you would expect that that would be the most. But it was notable to me 
that 28.6% said that it bothers them a little and 15.6% said it bothers them a lot. So if you take those into consideration, that means it's almost in some ways 50-50. There's almost as many, almost as many people that it bothers them a little or a lot combined, yeah. then it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think, um, I, I'm not too surprised by it though, because I've always felt like Nebraskans, they want to, they definitely want to win. And this is football too. They want to mm-hmm. win, but they want to win a certain way. And so I completely um, agree. And I, and I had and everyone has a, yeah. opinion and that's what sports is. You all, we all have opinions about how things we want things to be done. And so I get it, but uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, well, yeah, I think there's a couple things at play. One, um, one, uh, you're right. I think fans believe that they're, they want to win in an, in a specific way. And that goes for football and basketball football. You do it the Nebraska way as close to Tom Osborne as humanly possible. It's not just enough to win. You have to do it the right way and you have to kind of have this great moral compass and all these great things. Um, basketball, um, it was interesting because I tried to kind of interact with some people that, you know, mentioned that talks you tweeted back at me in the poll. And what they had said was the reason why it bothers them. One of the reasons why it bothered some people was they don't get to know these players and they come in and then they leave and it kind of formulates less of an attachment. Um, and I can understand that. I, I, you know, I, I I can understand that. Um, at the same time, the thing that's interesting to me is not only does this bother people, but there's a perception that bringing in lots of transfers or overhauling a roster inherently means that next year's not going to be a good season and that next year's not going to go well. And because of that, you've seen, um, you know, Dirk put out a really interesting poll that was, um, he put, he bit out two really interesting polls. One was what is more likely to happen? Nebraska has a losing season next year or they go to the NCAA tournament. And a vast majority said a losing season. And when I asked some people why, they said, well, the roster's going to overhaul again. And so there's this inherent connection to that. But what's interesting about that is Fred Hoiberg does this every single offseason. This is what he does. They have a handful of people that return from the year prior. But, I mean, even in his third season at Iowa State, he brought in eight players and eight new names that did not include people that were from the year prior. Right. And that was the year they went to the Speed 16. So there doesn't necessarily mean an overhaul of roster means that they're not going to be good the next year. Um, what's also interesting to me though, is I think the fact that they went seven to 25 and that was so ugly that has an impact on, you know, the way they did. Cause, cause you could argue, well, they did it last year. They brought in all these different guys and it didn't work. So why are they trying to do it again? Um, and I also think, and this is just maybe me personally, the, lack of football success and the lack of basketball success in the last two and a half, three years has made it so that I think the Nebraska fan base has drastically changed their perception of their expectations. And instead of expecting, I mean, think about what the expectations were for Fred or for Scott Frost in year two, people thought they were going to go to the big 10 championship game, win the West. And that didn't go well. So I think a lot of people think, well, Fred Hoiberg didn't have a very good first year. Scott Frost didn't have a very good second year. Why would Fred? Because is he overall because he's overhauling the roster, and I don't like that he's overhauling the roster. So it it bothers me that they are doing this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, I'm curious what you think because I think Creighton is a little. Bit, I mean, I I think you know if you look at the last two or three years, um, Creighton, in my opinion, is an example of what works whenever you keep a core group of guys and you move it along and you bring in a couple pieces, but you don't kind of overhaul it every single year. Um, at the same time, they're in this weird space right now where they're having to try and maybe bring in different guys and maybe that core group is, I'm just curious what you thought of the poll and what you think, right. what you think Nebraska is doing in kind of the Creighton perspective too. Well, I feel like Nebraska is probably in college basketball. There's just way more turnover than probably I think most fans feel comfortable with, but that's just, I mean, if you consider players leaving early to go pro or transfers or, um, I don't know, think things just not panning out, getting over recruited. Um, there's just a lot more change than probably we are used to and mm-hmm. still trying to adjust to it, even though this has kind of been the way things are in the sport for the last 10 years. 
Um, but Nebraska's kind of taken it to the extreme with the way that it's formed its roster. I think that um, the the change that's 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 a little bit on, on the outlier side, um, whereas Creighton might even be on the outlier side of trying to build and develop and um, bring in high school freshmen and try to mold them into, like you said, kind of build this nucleus. And then when they're juniors and seniors, that's when you make your mark on the college basketball world. Uh, the downside is that inevitably, because you're still Creighton, you're not necessarily um, a blue blood that it's going to be hard to attract when you have this nucleus as, 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 as that's juniors and seniors, it's going to be hard to attract um, their replacements while those guys are on the roster, mm-hmm. um, which is what Creighton's kind of dealing with right now. It has a lot of good players in the program, but they're set to play. So how do you also sell uh, to re- to recruits like, hey, come and wait? Mm-hmm. Because once these guys leave, then you can do it where when these recruits could go to a place like Nebraska or other various programs that are offering playing time right now because they're recycling their roster a little bit faster. So there's multiple ways to go about it. I think, and actually I do think that both programs are kind of like on the two ends of it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot more programs kind of live in the middle ground a little bit more. Um, So it makes sense that, well, especially when you're not winning championships or anything, I guess Creighton won a big East title, but there's obviously still things that, Jays fans want from their program in terms of the NCAA tournament. Uh, there's always going to be like a complaint or, or complainers or, or sort of criticism for how things are getting built. Um, but yeah, I do think that there is just a general sense though from college basketball fans that they would prefer there not to be as much turnover. So yeah. whatever, whatever route you can make it to where there is not, because you know, even as I, I, I laid it out that Creighton has, it tries to build, uh, def- you know, get high school freshmen in, build them, develop them, so that when they're juniors and seniors, they're stars. But you know, over the last few years, Kyrie Thomas has left early. Justin Patton's left early. Martin Crumple, Sam Froling left early last year. Touchdown Alexander's left early. Denzel Mahoney and Damian Jefferson are declaring for the draft. They'll probably return, but there's a chance. You know, there's always a chance that they could leave. So it's like even when you go that route to, to be competitive and, and, and um, you know, to like compete at the level that you want to compete at, like you're going to develop players into pro potential players and then right. they leave and early. They and it's leave. Like, yeah. 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 Like, yeah oh, totally. Here we are again. For, for, for the Nebraska perspective here, here's okay. So Nebraska currently, they um, are currently slated to bring in one, two, three, four, five, six new players to the program. Okay. That would tie for fewest offseason additions for a Fred Hoiberg roster. Mm. Right now. The, the, the offseason additions by season when he was at Iowa State goes seven, seven, eight, six. So eight, that, like, this is what's going to happen. Right. And I think people just aren't used to it. And I think if Nebraska starts winning, then people will get over it because then your attachment isn't to this player because they were there for a long time. Your attachment to that player is because they won yeah. and you like that. I mean, think about, right. think it's about not- the way the Nebraska football play, football uh, fans talk about like Levante David. I mean, Levante David was only in Nebraska for two years, but he did extremely well. So there's an extreme attachment to him. You yeah. know what I mean? It helps that Levante is like, Stud. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> right. if you if you got some studs, then right. then then that then that's great. Um, I, I do think college basketball, especially over the last decade or so, it, it's the stars are the coaches. I mean, the that's players the thing, do yeah. cycle in and out, but like you'll form an attachment to the coaches and the mm-hmm. coaching staff, especially yes. if they win. And so, eventually, yeah, it's going to take some getting used to. I think for for Nebraska fans and Creighton fans, I feel like are adjusting to the new realities of being a program that's trying to compete at the, on the upper echelon of college basketball and seeing guys leave early to go pro and getting in recruiting battles with North Carolina and Kansas and falling, you know, losing some of those, um, you know, like that there's, there's adjustments that gotta, you have to. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's not all going to work out uh, 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 the way you want to, I guess. But if you can get those wins then it makes it a lot easier. 
do you want to jump to Creighton and talk about that a little bit? Because obviously they've got a lot of NBA um, news. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So this is another thing that I think has changed over the last five years. And we talked about it, I think, previously on the podcast. But more and more college players are recognizing their the value of their marketability, their earning potential. And I think maybe seeing the writing on the wall, the wall a little bit of like, okay, so I can play for X amount of years and a portion of that's going to be in college where I, yeah, I'm earning a degree. They're, they're paying for my housing and giving me a place to train and I'm getting some food and some gear. But perhaps if I were a G league player, if I were playing overseas, I can make more money and I can only do that for a short amount of time. So I think you're seeing more and more players leave school early uh, before completing their eligibility because of that potential to make money um, mm-hmm. and to knowing that there's, there's a shelf life on the career. So Tyshawn Alexander is going, even though he doesn't have a guarantee uh, he, you know, he said that the, the report from the undergraduate advisory committee was that he would be a second round pick at best mid second round at best. And he could go undrafted, but in his mind, he's like, well, if I got to grind through the G league and make, 80 grand a year while doing that with the potential of getting promoted and getting some bonuses, I'll do it. You know, like that's mm-hmm. fine. If I got to do that for a couple of years, it's time. Like he's turning 21 this or 22 this summer and he's ready to, to make that jump. But I, I do think that that reality uh, for, for, for a lot of college basketball fans is like, I don't understand it. You know, a lot of people are just like, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't think that's a good decision and I'm not going to, I can't understand why players would, would be framing their careers in that way. I think that's the perspective that a lot of fans have, and I get it. But what I'm saying is that more and more college players, whether whether fans like it or not, more and more college players are taking that route. I mean, last year, 80 underclassmen, like non-seniors, 80 non-seniors declared for the draft, stayed in the draft. Um, there's only 60 picks, by the way. Right. So 40 of them got picked, but 40 more – ish I, I think it might have been 41 43 or something like that but half of them got picked and half of them went undrafted mm-hmm. but uh, i guarantee you a lot of them were just like that's fine like i'm ready to be a pro and i think that um a lot of college basketball players it's so different than it was 10 years ago 20 years ago where the uh the value placed on the college basketball experience the scholarship the degree is different for these guys who can see who see what the potential is uh, to make money right away. So with that yeah. said, uh, Tyson Alexander's going pro, Damian Jefferson, Denzel Mahoney, um, two guys who are not going to get drafted if they were to leave, um, but they're still exploring the pro realm. You know, they're going to have conversations with agents. As a matter of fact, Denzel Mahoney signed an NCAA certified agent. So the rules allow for players to sign temporarily with an agent who's certified under NCAA guidelines. And uh, they can still be eligible. Like previously, it was if you sign with an agent, you're done. College career over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now there's a select few. I mean, it's a very small amount of agents that have gone through the certification process. But um, if you sign with one of those guys, then you can still come back to school. You just get a kind of a, like I think you get some meals paid for, and you get a maybe a better picture of what pro life's going to be like. So uh, Denzel Mahoney did that. Damian Jefferson is is obviously going to explore the professional realm as well. So I don't fault them for doing it, honestly. Like, again, you look at, there's 163 players in college basketball who are not seniors who declare for the draft. And last year, there's 175 who did it. And half of those guys returned to school. And this year, I'm sure half of the 163 are going to return to school, maybe more, with the uncertainty of, of whether or not, you know, the NBA season is going to happen or whatever. So, um. I, again, I don't fault them, but when the, when the, when you do declare, there is always, I guess, that possibility that you could go. And that's right. probably what Creighton fans are kind of like, uh, wait, what now? We were supposed to have a top five team. Right. Bring back everybody. Um, and now it's potential where we could have to replace a ton of players. Like, So I, I definitely get why there would be sort of some angst, but I also think that it's kind of just a natural part of college basketball where if you're a good team, you're going to have guys go and you're going to have guys test the waters and uh, you know, we'll see how, uh, what these guys decide and what kind of feedback they get. Do you, do you think those two will come back? I do. I do. I think yeah. they will. I'd be surprised if they left. Um, but 
Like I said, you never you never know. Um, and if they do come back, I mean, Creighton's going to still be good. Uh, still going to have – like, it's still uh, – obviously, Tyshawn Alexander losing him hurts, but Creighton would still bring back four starters if Denzel and Damian returned, which is a rarity for a top yes. 10 team. You know, for a team that, that uh, won the Big East, usually those teams that are at the top tier of college basketball lose guys to the pros or have seniors, and they go. Like, you got to replace them. That's what we've been talking about, college basketball, uh, that revolving door. Usually the best teams have the best players who are ready to move on. And uh, and so for, for Creighton to bring back four starters, four of six, four of their top six guys, uh, five of their top seven, that would be um, – Significant. Yes. Yes. Well, that, especially, especially yeah. with, with one of them being Marcus Zuckerberg. I was going to say that's what I was going to say. You had a story on that too of, of his decision not to even not test to the declare. waters. And right. I mean, I I think he's probably, I think he's probably the most important player that they had last year. Um, yes. Tyshawn obviously was was incredible, um, but Marcus is kind of the the engine. So him bring, him come him at least being one of you know the two him and Mitch coming back. I think. Yeah. What does that mean? Do you think? I mean, well, we're and, and also, do you have any update on Marcus and what he's up to? And, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's just kind of rehabbing that knee. <laughs> but I, I like, I think he's the sky's the limit for this dude, man. Like, so he was. I looked at it the other day. Um, there, there's five first team All Americans, five second team All Americans, five third team All Americans. All of them declared for the draft. Oh my gosh, are you serious? All yeah, fifteen? All fifteen. The wow. only guy who I think's coming back is Luca Garza. Like, I think the other 14 are gone. That's mm-hmm. my assumption, but, you know, we'll see how it works out. And Marcus Zagorowski, I think, was, like, fourth among vote-getters who they're, they're categorized as honorable mention All-Americans because they didn't get in that top 15. Mm-hmm. But he was the highest vote-getter who had who did not declare. Hmm. He was ahead of him, like, Sadiq Bey. Or actually, you know what? Sadiq, Sadiq Bey maybe was behind Marcus by a couple votes, but he's declared. You know, so it's like... Usually the players who are at his tier are declaring. So I thought it was notable that he decided not to. And obviously the injury to the knee that he suffered, he had surgery uh, a couple days after, after it happened on March 7th and he's rehabbing and he'll be, he won't be healthy until fully healthy until the summer, June ish, July. Um, that played a factor. He said the uncertainty of coronavirus and the impact on the pre-draft process that played into it. And plus he has goals like, one thing he said is like, I, there's still a lot that I want to accomplish at Creighton. There's still things that we haven't done as a program that I want to be a part of. I want to play for coach Mack. I want to play for these teammates. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him compete. And I, I know fans are really excited because he, I think he became sort of a fan favorite as the season wore on and you kind of saw him come out of his shell. His numbers, by the way, at the end of the year are ridiculous, Chris, like the dude, let me see what I got here. Last eight games, 17.8 points per game, five rebounds a game, five assists a game, a steal a game. He shot 60% from the floor. Oh, my God. He shot 61% from three. Wow. He was 24 of 39 from three. Uh, that includes a clunker he had against St. John's, like that stretch, those, those mm-hmm. final eight games. So he said that was like the worst game I played all year is at St. John's. But even with that inc- – you include that game in there. He's still again averaging 17, shooting 60% from the floor. And like, there's something, there's another stat where in his final, I don't know, it was either four or five home games. He was like 19 of 22 from three. Oh my God. I mean, what? well, the thing that you that, like before you even first off, this is why you're better report than I am. Cause that's such a good, the first thing I thought in my head when you started talking about Marcus coming back was this could be like a national player of the year candidate. No doubt. And then yeah. when you, and then when you mention all fifteen have declared for the draft, he's the highest vote getter coming back. He might be the preseason like other than you know a handful of freshmen that come in uh, that that could also kind of toss their hat. I mean, he's probably one of the leading candidates for national player of the year next year. I would think so. I mean, uh, like I said, Luca Garza will probably like assuming Luca Garza comes back, mm-hmm. which it seems like he's going to. Mm-hmm. Like he seems like the front runner for. I'll be really curious if he can repeat the season that he had last year. Yeah. I'll be really – I mean, there were certain – I mean, I think Luca Garza is extremely good. Uh, it, that, there, were, there were points when it seems like – you know, remember Curry's first MVP uh, – second MVP season whenever he just shattered all of his previous records from three right. – I mean, it just it was just a silly season. 
Um, it kind of there are times whenever it seemed like that was uh, the, the the Luca Garza show. So I'm curious if he can repeat that. He's got um, a good team around him coming back. He so. does though. Iowa could be extremely good next year. But right. anyway, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say it's it's him. It's like Baylor has a guy, Jared Butler, I think, who's probably I don't know. Maybe he comes back. He was third team All American. Uh, that Philip Petrusev from from Gonzaga was a third team All American, AP All American. So maybe he comes back. But yeah, you're right. Like Marcus Zagorowski's in that realm of uh, top ten players in the country next year, and so. Uh, to have a headliner like that, you know you're going to be uh, competing. And obviously, you look at the schedule that Creighton's laid out. Like it was announced uh, a few days ago that the Jays are going to play at Kansas in the uh, Big East Big Twelve battle, which is just a. I mean, there's a possibility because Creighton's playing in the battle for Atlantis that it could play uh, Duke and Kansas in the same year because Duke's in the same tournament. Uh, in the battle for Atlanta. So the, the Jays are going to have a ton of like marquee matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a Gavit games at home uh, this year. So some big 10 teams going to come into the CHI health center and given the potential for Creighton, you know, the, the hype that it's getting, maybe it'll be a pretty solid big 10 opponent. Wouldn't it be sweet if it was Iowa like to see oh, yeah. that, 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 that team with Luca Garza come down I 80 mm-hmm. and, and play the Jays like, uh, Arizona State's coming to Omaha, and that team's going to be a top 25 team in the preseason. Um, the Jays, obviously, Nebraska's going to be better. Uh, it's it's a it's a heck of a schedule that they've put together. And you add into the fact that UConn's joining the Big East, so now the, the league moves from 18 to 20 games. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and so um, I'm eager to see, obviously, how the roster kind of forms. We learned today, we're recording this on a Thursday, that because Creighton's still got to make some ads, got some roster uh, open roster spots right. that the Jays added a uh, Lithuanian wing, uh, Modestus Kinclaris, Kinclaris, six uh, eight, looks like a six eight six nine versatile dude who who's will who's able to shoot, confident enough to shoot, probably has some work to do in terms of developing his offensive game, but a hustler, battles on the glass, and uh, you know he was a, he initially visited Creighton in February, committed to Grand Canyon. They fired Dan Marley, and and then he reopened his recruitment and joined the Jays. So it's another roster piece for Creighton, and, and we're going to see if they are – I, I think that they're, they're looking to add more. They have more spots available. So I was going to say, how many spots – how many open scholarships do they have? two open scholarships, okay. and that's not counting, you know, Mahoney or Jefferson. Again, I assume they're going to be back, but right. there's always that possibility. So – yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a the Jays are are putting together what could be a really fun year. Um, Have you ever been to Lawrence? I you know what one time. Have you been in the Allen Fieldhouse before? Right, I covered okay. yeah yeah covered Nebraska Kansas for Lee. Lee was had maybe a family mm-hmm. situation going on or something. I stepped in, and Sharon Collins like. Mm. It was a it was a competitive game for the first half, and then Sharon Collins took over. Like, was that his senior year, Sharon's senior I, year? I think it might have been his junior year. Okay, um, but I remember he just. It, so that was he, the year after KU won the title. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Sharon was a sophomore, I believe. Whenever they won, Allen Fieldhouse is number one for me. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's probably the coolest place I've ever seen a sporting event. Number two is probably Wrigley. Number three is probably Assembly Hall. Yeah, Assembly Hall's up there. I'm, I, I've I never were, been a Mackie. I know you're a Mackie guy, but. Oh, well, I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm a Purdue guy, so I have to be a Mackie. Right. I think, I think Mackie might be on the list of, like, the most underrated mm-hmm. venues in the, in, for college basketball in the country. Like, I think Mackie belong like, you don't hear a lot about Mackie. Yeah. But it's pretty – like, Mackey probably is on there. I bet the pit, New yeah. Mexico, is probably on that underrated list. Well, a lot of Big Ten coaches always say they hate going to Purdue. Like, they hate playing at Purdue yeah. because of Mackey. Right. Um, I've been inside of Cameron Indoor before, not for a game, but I had a buddy that went there, and before he went there, he we went out there on a spring break to North Carolina, and we – you can just, like, go in, right? And so we went in, and it's like – I mean, if, ever, if you've ever been to the Millard North uh, uh, gym, mm-hmm. it, I'm not – it's a little bit bigger than that. 
I mean, it's yeah, tiny. There's, there's definitely high school gyms that are bigger than Cameron. Yeah, Indoor. it there's is no question. tiny, but it looked really cool. I'd love to see a game there. Um, yeah. But I will say that Creighton KU game will be interesting for a million reasons. I wish it would have been last year because I would have, it'd have been so interesting because it's the, it'd be the clash of two different systems of like, okay, it's Doak versus six foot seven Christian Bishop. Doak yes. is going to have to guard on the perimeter. Right. You know what I mean? Like you pick your poison. Yeah. Now, been great. Suddenly Creighton's like went from guard centric to now having an excess of big men. It, mm-hmm. it just added this Ken Claris guy who's six, eight, six, nine. Um, it's bringing in, and, and now healthy Jacob Epperson, he's still working to get healthy, by the way, but uh, the assumption is by this time the season starts, he'll be healthy. Ryan Kalkbrenner's a top 100 recruit. Um, got Christian Bishop back. It's like all of a sudden Creighton has bigs now. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's like, Well, it'll be interesting because they have a lot of I – I, mean, I don't think they'll – I don't know if they'll win that KU game, but you got KU and Arizona State. Like they, ha- they have built a schedule so that by February, they will have learned everything they need to know about themselves. For sure. Yeah. And they might have a worse record, but they will know what works, what doesn't. I feel like they'll have a pretty good understanding of who they are. No doubt. And, and I guess th- what next year's building to be is more of like a, I don't know. I guess the question we'll be asking is like, has this program arrived at an, at, at the next sort of rung in, on, on the college basketball ladder? Cause not only is, or will the Jays be competing, um, in some marquee games and they're going to, they they look like they're going to be ranked all year, but they also have this huge 2021 recruiting class that they're going to be trying to form over the next year and probably going into battles with a lot of big time programs and having to try to lure these guys. So where Creighton stands, like, I think we'll know a lot this time next year about Mm -hmm. like, you know, where, where this program fits within the, college basketball hierarchy and you know what could be possible going forward as it you know tries to kind of maintain its place in the big east sure. next year is going to be huge for that oh yeah for sure um yeah i wanted to switch back over to nebraska real sure. quick i was yeah, curious yeah. um the huskers added a piece mm-hmm. and lost a player since the last time we recorded kevin cross is yes. out trevor lakes is in yeah what what was your sort of takeaway from that yeah move? so initially i mean i had and i think i maybe even have said on this podcast i thought okay well by this point you know if um if nebraska was sorry i got a text um if if kevin cross was going to leave i thought he would have done it by now that, that was kind of what i thought maybe two weeks ago just based on like okay well you want to get recruited and you want to go to a different school and you want to kind of start that whole process. Um, teams are signing their, their, their recruiting classes. They're filling up roster spots. Like, you know, you should declare, you should, you know, put your intentions out. Plus yeah. Nebraska had been in contact with him. Like he had, Kevin was working out in Husker clothes. Like it wasn't, you know, it seemed like it was kind of over, but he ends up, you know, deciding he's going to enter the transfer portal. Um, there just kind of wasn't going to be enough minutes for him. I don't think, um, you know, he, he played out of position at five last year. He was going to play kind of at the three and the four next year. Um, and he'd be battling with, you know, playing time with Shamil Stevenson, um, potentially Kobe King, Teddy Allen. Um, it just, it would have been, he wouldn't have played a ton, I don't think. And I think he had plenty of opportunities to earn himself some playing time. And I think just being a little inconsistent hurt him a little bit. Um, you know, he had 23 in the final game against Indiana, but he had plenty of games where he came in and um, jacked up a couple shots and didn't really defend. And the coaches were like, all right, well, you're done. Like, you, you, you clearly aren't here today. So, and so I, and I think that's frustrating. Um, so I, I, I think he'll end up going to a um, maybe a mid major and kind of trying to be the guy. I mean, I think that there's plenty that you can build around for Kevin. Um, I don't know if you can necessarily do that in the big 10 though. I do think in two or three years, he would have been a, a really nice piece for Fred Hoiberg. Um, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Yep. It's like, do players want to stick it out? And they want to play in one place and develop, or do they want to play while they, they develop? Play. Yeah, they do. Most players want to play while they develop. Exactly. Instead of waiting their turn as like the juniors and seniors on the roster do their thing. And you're kind of like the sophomore who is, putting in the work behind the scenes, not getting a chance to show yourself. 
Right. Like, so I mean, yeah, Creighton lost a guy in Jalen Wyndham who would have been that same mm-hmm. uh, kind of player who, yeah, he wasn't going to play much next year, but junior and senior year, maybe, you know, yeah. he kept working and, and developing, but in his mind, he's like, well, why not just transfer back home to Ball State? And I can, just I can play. still, I can play and I can still develop. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So college basketball. Yeah. And so it works out, I think in Nebraska's favor though, because they, I mean, they've been pretty clear. They don't want that many eligible players. They want like 10 or 11 guys that they connect that are eligible to play and that can play that way. You're keeping everybody happy. That yeah. way you can find some minutes for those guys. And Nebraska is currently headed toward a season. I mean, they currently, I mean, they, everybody is going to try and be eligible at the very least. Um, Kobe King will need a waiver, but I think he's got a pretty good case. Trey McGowan's will need a waiver. He might be the, you know, be one that sits. Um, and so now what they do is they kind of substitute Kevin, who they would have fine minutes for with Trevor Lakes, who, um, is you know Nebraska's yet again for the second straight year gone and dipped into kind of a lower division, lower tier school with a hot three point shooter like they did last year with Mate Gavas. This year it's Trevor Lakes who played at University of Indianapolis for three years. Um, he, uh, which UND is a, is a really good program. They were they were the number one national seed in the Division two tournament this year, um, and uh, that got. Uh, that got nixed but Trevor Lakes is like this perfect Indiana story like grew up on a barn grew up on a farm uh just north of Indianapolis um and uh he's six foot seven uh he almost exclusively shoots threes um he led the team in with 15 points a game last year but um if I can find it it was something like 70 yeah, 75% of all of his shots in his three years at UND were threes, and 71% of his made field goals were threes. So basically the dude camps out. <laughs> and um, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. It can be a good thing because uh, he's he's exactly specialized and he can come off your bench. Um, the bad thing is, is they kind of did that with Monte Cavas last year, and it didn't really work, right? Monte, Monte was like a 40 – I think he came in as a 44% three-point shooter, um, which is just – yeah, it was 44%. Uh, which is just unheard of. And then he comes down to the Big Ten level and he shoots 33%. And um, so the the thing that Nebraska likes is, one, he's a shooter and they need that. Two, he's going to sit out. So he'll sit out for one year. He'll develop. Probably They'll pro- probably try and get him to develop a couple more things other than his three. Um, it, it's one more person they don't have to make sure they get minutes for. Um, it's also one more person they can bring back for next year um, that they feel good about. Um, in general, Nebraska is actually – the reason why you go get someone like Trevor Lakes is, in general, Nebraska currently doesn't really have a great three-point shooting roster. Um, Kobe Webster is pretty good. Um, he had a, he had, didn't have a great three-point shooting year last year. Um, but in general, he's pretty good. Um, Thor is actually second highest in terms of – I mean, they, they only have two guys that have shot 50 or more threes, and it's Kobe Webster and Thor. Mm. Um, Delano hasn't proven himself as a good three-point shooter – Teddy Allen was good at the junior college level, but was not very good at all at the division one level. Um, so you bring someone in like Trevor who um, next year you can make sure you have a shooter on the roster right. uh, when Kobe Webster it's, graduates. So I was just looking at Trevor's um, stats. I was just they've got Trevor. one more. <laughs> Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I was looking at Trevor Lakes' stats mm-hmm. um, because Indianapolis played three division one teams last year in exhibition. I think one of them was a charity exhibition with Loyola Chicago, but at three exhibition games who played Butler and Xavier and Loyola mm-hmm. and Lakes lit it up against Loyola. He was six of 11 from three dropped 22 points, but against Butler and Xavier, it didn't go so well. Really? <laughs> he shot 19 threes in two exhibition games against those two teams. That's what he does, man. Dude, he, he had a game as a freshman uh, against somebody against Tiffin, Tiffin college, I imagine. Yeah. Um, where he made 11 threes. Really? Yes. I mean, it's exhibition, so who cares? Like, yeah, you're, but you're it's not, like, like really scouting. You're just kind of trying to, but yeah. I so I mean, so he he's he's somebody that. But the thing I love about the kid, I mean, he he literally grew up shooting on a hoop that was attached to a barn on a cornfield. Nice. Like that's exactly what you want, right? Yeah, that's classic. Um, my so, my uh, my hoop was in front of our yard, but our driveway was sloped, so we faced it. Like I had grass. Yeah. I had to dribble on grass. I had, there was a sidewalk that went up the center of our front yard. And so I could dribble on that. That's where I did my dribbling drills. But if mm-hmm. I wanted to get in close, 
um, I had to dribble on grass. I got made fun of a lot for that, but I oh, was really? like, we're in Indiana. How are you guys going to hate on the fact that I got a hoop <laughs> in? It's, it's fine if the court's grass. Like, yeah, it's fine. You just got to keep it low. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll make it work. What was, what, a, was, what was your hoop? I had a hoop. Um, so my driveway was, um, there was like a, a narrow stretch stretch. And then it, so it kind of looked like a D right? So it was like an arrow stretch and then it kind of was a little bit of a circle. Mm. Um, and there was a little dent that was about 15 feet. I think it was like maybe 14 feet. So I was like the free throw line. And then I had a hoop that, um, wasn't quite 10 feet. I think it was like nine, six. Um, and cause it wouldn't go up all the way. Originally it did. And then we had to get a new backboard cause it shattered and, um, the backboard was heavy. And so it kind of leaned it down a little bit. Um, but the, the the problem was is there was a there was the hoop and then there was a fence into the backyard right so it was in the it was right next to the garage and so if you missed you're hopping Ooh, the fence you got to yeah. go get the I mean it was it was an issue right <laughs> um, but it was also it was it was shaped like a D but if you wanted to shoot threes you had to kind of go into the grass occasionally like if you gotcha. wanted to get to the corner three right um, one of my favorite and least favorite stories of my entire life um, so I'll, this will be quick. Senior year of high school, I don't play a lot, but in the very last game of my whole career, right, it's in sub-state, we played uh, Blue Valley Northwest. They were the number one seed. Clayton Custer was on that team. He ended up – he was actually a Iowa State recruit for Fred Hoiberg. Um, Fred leaves. Clayton Custer goes to Loyola Chicago, and he goes to the Final Four. Yeah, um, great career there. Yeah. Great career, yeah. Um, so we played them, and Clayton was, was – he was very, very good high school basketball player. Um, and we ended up losing, um, I got in in the last like 30 seconds and, you know, I like hit a three and made a, like I had to steal on a layup or whatever, but like, you know, you don't, you, you lost the game, your basketball career is over. Right. So I'm obviously upset the next morning, the next morning, the basketball hoop in my driveway is gone. My parents took it down the next morning. Oh my God. They're like, well, you don't need this anymore. I woke up on a, I, on a Saturday morning. It's gone. And I still give them crap to it to say, I was like, that was like the least, (laughs) that was the meanest thing you could have done. I mean, your heart had already been ripped out and they just like, I mean, exactly. sewed you back up without putting that heart in. I know. It was was like, come on. Are you kidding me? uh, So anyway, um, that's sorry why. To, sorry I'm to open sure. up old wounds there, Chris. I yeah, I know. Well, trust me, I've, I've, I've brought it up to them many a time <laughs> since then, because uh, it's just so hurtful. Um, <laughs> anyway, so now uh, Nebraska still has one open scholarship left, right. and they, they want to bring in Adama Sonogo. Um, he's this, you know, 6'9 center from New York. We don't really have I – don't, I don't know when he's going to make his decision – um, he's between a lot, of, you know, a couple different schools, including like Nebraska that? and Seton Hall and Pittsburgh, and a final um, six or something like that. Yeah, he was in, yeah, yeah, there's like a final six uh, that Nebraska's in, and um, you know, it seems like Nebraska it has a really good chance to bring him in. Um, the thing that I wanted to talk about really quickly, though, and not and it's, I had a story that came out today about it, but a lot of what I've been hearing from fans too is. Oh my gosh, they need to bring in Adama Sonoko. Oh my gosh, they need a big man. Oh my gosh, Nebraska's issues in the rebounding, they can be fixed with this big man, this 6'9 big man. We need yeah. to put all of our hopes and dreams, whatever. And we had a conference call with, with Fred Hober a couple weeks ago, um, and they want bigs, right? But the way that he wants to fix the rebounding issue and – the physicality issue. Cause he kind of mentioned like, you know, we got beat up. It wore us down last year. Nebraska was really small, right? They had Ivan. He was six, nine, but he, he's not extremely athletic and he can't play another position. You also had, you also had Cam Mack was really thin. They had a really hard time putting weight on him. Deshaun Burke was really thin. Hanif was pretty small. Thor is pretty small. I mean, they just, Charlie is, is really small. Charlie Easley. They, they just had a really hard time because they were just thin. And so the way that they're going to try and fix their rebounding issue is what they did at Iowa State, which is basically have five guys that can all rebound and five guys that are able to play multiple positions. And because of that, Adama Sonogo is important. He is not going to be the end-all be-all. If they do not get him, 
that does not mean Nebraska, in my opinion, is doomed. Oh, no, they're never going to be able to rebound again. Mm. Um, and that's based on, you know, a lot of different things. I mean, that's based on, you know, Fred Hoiberg's very first team at Iowa State. Um, I mean, Fred Hoiberg generally doesn't coach guys that are six foot ten or taller. He's really only coached one. It was Jamie Vanderbeeken, who was a senior his very first year at Iowa State, Fred's first year at Iowa State. He was a Greg McDermott recruit. Um, and Jamie Vanderbeeken didn't even lead that team in rebounding that year. He was, he was second, I think, second or third. Um, the, the leading rebounder that year was a six foot two guard named Darian Anderson, right? Mm. So the, the system isn't necessarily set up to have this fixed center be your guy. Um, and a lot of that has to do with that's not the way college basketball is played anymore. And I think for whatever reason, um, we believe that it is. Um, you go back and look at Naismith award winners, the, you know, the best player in college basketball. Uh, you know, in the 1990s, yeah, big men reigned. I mean, eight of the 10 winners of the 90, of the 90s were six foot nine or taller. Um, in 2020, in the 2010s, like that, 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 that's not true anymore. There's only two that were six foot nine or taller and seven of them are six foot eight or shorter. And they actually had a handful of guys that were shorter than six, five Jalen Brunson and Frank Mason and um, Jimmer for debt. I mean, guards, small ball, like that's how you play basketball now. And so the way that you try and fix Nebraska's rebounding issue isn't with one big man. It's with all these different bigger, longer guards. And the fact of the matter is Nebraska kind of already has those, right? I mean, you've got, you know, lat man who is six, nine, who can, who he could be your big man, but he's a stretch four essentially. You've got Delano Banton who's six, eight. And yes, he's going to play point guard, but he can rebound. You got Shamil Stevenson. He's looks like a fullback. He's six, six Teddy Allen, who is, Big and brawny, he's 6'5". Kobe King, he's 6'4". Like, the reason, the answer to Nebraska's rebounding issues is not going to be one big man. It's going to be all these longer guards. And one more, I'm going to, you know, keep rambling, but even there's this trope that, well, the Big Ten is really big, and you need a big man to win. You need a Matt Harms, or you need a, right. this big guy, that, that, that can, or a Luca Garza, um, or a Jalen Smith to, to win. Um, that's also not necessarily true. You know, in the past five years, there have been eight teams that have shared a conference title. And on those eight teams, they average about two guys that are listed on the roster that are six foot 10 or taller. And of those two guys, fewer than one of them average more than 15 points. In other words, or excuse me, 15 minutes. In other words, big guys don't play a lot. So most of your roster is going to be small if you are a team that has won the Big Ten in the last five years. And, you know, even if you are big, this, this really stuck out to me. You know, Wisconsin was one of the – Wisconsin shared the Big, Big Ten title this year. They're one of the bigger teams to do it in the last five years. Um, but even though they were really tall, they finished 13 out of 14 teams in rebounds per game this mm. year in the Big Ten. And they finished ninth in blocks. So just because you're tall – doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, you know, be advantageous in, in categories that you assume are going to go with taller teams. You know what I mean? Especially when you consider the teams that led in that category was Michigan state who didn't have a player that was listed at taller than six, nine that played more than 15 minutes a game. Like you don't need to be huge to to rebound. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I was even looking at big 10 players of the year. I mean, do you know how tall Caleb Swanigan was? And think about it. It seemed like Caleb Swaggin was like 7'3", 340. Like, he seemed huge. <laughs> he wasn't that big. He's 6'9". Oh, yeah. Well, maybe like, you know that's I mean? a generous 6'9", so, maybe. So, yeah, exactly. So, I know this is rambling and maybe like six people actually care about it. Um, but the thing that's interesting to me, though, is just Nebraska clearly needed to add size. And we keep... I keep hearing this trope that they need Adam Adama Sinogo because they need to add size. Well, size is already here, right? It's already here. And the way that Fred Hoiberg wants to play is with these long guards, these long wings that can play multiple, multiple positions. So even though some fans want this big man, and I think that some of it has to do with the fact that Nebraska just hasn't gotten a legitimate, um, 
productive big man in a really long time that you're yeah. still looking for it. Dude, big men are fun to root for. Especially, they are. You know, just you see them, especially when they bust, bust out some old school moves. And right. Shows, it's like, it's nostalgic in a way. And you're like, oh my gosh, what? how cool right. is that? Right. The pro- I agree. But there's very few teams went the way that KU did last year with Yudoka Azubuke. Right, right. There's not a lot of teams that are doing that anymore. I mean, a perfect example is Creighton. Christian Bishop was six seven. Creighton yeah, could have been anybody here's the thing, in the country. Though, here's last the thing, year. though, Chris. I, I I agree with you in that Nebraska doesn't need a big to be a better rebounding team. There's no question. They now they it's not going to be a strength. I don't think even no. with their roster, but they can do a good enough job to get by. To like, there won't be the worst rebounding team in the country, mm-hmm. and they are able because they're so efficient on offense. Presumably, like. We assume that these roster pieces are going to increase their ability to score more consistently, be more of a threat. That takes some pressure off you on the glass, and, and teams all of a sudden they can't send as many guys to the offensive glass because they got to get back in transition. And it just um, – you can find a way to manage it. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you there. But I do wonder a little bit about the Big Ten stylistically. Like just when you have a big man like a Daniel Arturo – or a Jalen Smith, or uh, Matt Harms, Travion Williams at Purdue. Whoever, I mean, every t- Big Ten team seemed to have like one guy mm-hmm. that they could play through inside. Like it kind of compromises your defensive system if you can't guard him one on one. And that was the issue that Creighton ran into a lot this last year. It was just that in the Big East, there weren't a lot of those guys. Uh, there are only a couple mm-hmm. true sort of t- more traditional fives. There's that kid in- from Seton Hall. Yeah, but he wasn't. He, he didn't play through him a lot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of times, um, they you know they roll, they do some pick and roll stuff and and get Romaro Gill some buckets. On, but you could cover that up a little bit with your scrappiness and your ability to kind of move around and mm-hmm. um and off obviously hurt him on the other end. And so, like Georgetown was a team that gave Creighton some problems because it had some bigs that were mobile enough to handle some of Creighton's smaller lineups, but also and also mobile enough to move with the guards on the other end of the court um, and, and hurt the Jays there. So my only question would just be from a matchup perspective, and it may, you know, there may be ways to work around it schematically when you're depending on what the strengths are of the opposing big. I, I've, I was naming off big men in the big, big 10. I didn't even say Luca Garza, but we've given right. him enough pub already on this. Podcast, right. So right. My bad. Anyway, but like you think of a Luka Garza is different than a Matt Harms or, you know, it, it, it kind of depends on uh, who the guy is. But I do think, I mean, you feel so much more comfortable if you had a bigger body to at least just. Sort sure. Of- yeah. I, I, and, and I'm not saying like only recruit, like only have six, seven dudes. Right. Like that's not necessarily what I'm saying. I do. I, yeah. I guess I, what I'm wondering is I wonder if the Big Ten will have that same. Like we'll be saying as the Big Ten season's going on, going forward next year, like, man, this league's got so many good big men. It seems like yeah. I don't I mean, know I, if we're going to say that this this next year or not. Yeah, I mean, I think what what you do is, I mean, and you don't want to always say just just be like Michigan State because Michigan State is kind of its own monster. But that's why it's important to have like Derek Walker, or that's why it's important to have Ivan. That's why it's important to have Ivan is you have a guy that you can get five fouls and you can kind of throw a bunch of different bodies at those big guys whenever you run into them. Um, The thing that, that, that I, I guess I, I think of when, you know, when you bring it up, because it's a good, I mean, it's a valid point. You're gonna have to guard these guys. Um, Fred Hoiberg and Scott Frost share uh, (laughs) an affinity for offense and their, their philosophy is essentially we're going to make them do to us right? We're going to make them adjust to us. So we're going to throw out there this stretch five and let's see if Luca Garza wants to mess around with that. Let's right. see if, let's see if now there are like, you know, Oturo could, could guard a, a wing and uh, you know, Jalen Smith could guard, you know, like that, that they can you know do because they're freaks. Right. Um, That's but I think how many freaks are going to be in the big 10 next year. I don't Right. Right. Like, right. A lot of these I mean, guys are going pro. Right. Or, or right. Graduating. So they're and, done. And, and so I think their, their perspective is, because there are, you know, no matter what your philosophy is, you're going to give up something. And I think that that's what Nebraska is willing to give up. They're willing to give up, like, all right, Kofi Cochran just, just brutalize 
Ivan down low, but we're going to make him run to the other end as fast as possible because we're in transition. Let's go. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, And that was what was fascinating about Creighton's season is teams that were bigger could not make the Jays pay to a degree to where Creighton had to get out of its small ball lineup or do mm -hmm. something different. Like Creighton was still able to play small with four guards, five guards at times and be effective despite having, you know, the other team having the three tallest guys on the court. Sometimes right. the four tallest, like Xavier, I think was like six, seven, six, nine, six, nine, six, eight, or something ridiculous like that. Um, and the Jays beat them twice, you know? So it, yeah, you're right. You always, that's, that's what basketball is, man. You're always going to give up something. The goal is to be really good at what you want to be good at. And if you are, then some, all of a sudden your weaknesses don't show up as much. So if you're right. not a good rebounding team, okay. Creighton was the worst rebounding team in the big East last year. But it was also the best three-point shooting team in the Big East, and it didn't turn the ball over, and it didn't commit fouls, and it so, won. Yeah, right. And, and so, and the other thing is too is like this isn't necessarily a, a perfect idea. I mean, number, I mean, if you go along this route that 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 not Nebraska is going to, that Iowa State did, you are not going to be a very good rim protection te- protecting team. You're not going to have a lot of blocks, um, and it's it, that's going to hurt you. So, a perfect example, the thirteen fourteen team for uh for fred hoiberg they were 374th in block percentage on defense so they they didn't block hardly any shots okay but that team which which is the team that they lost to iowa state um or excuse me ohio state in the second round they were 12th in average length of possession they were 30th in tempo and they didn't really care that they gave up things at the rim yeah. You know what I mean? I mean they're, like they're gonna hit you right back. It's like oh, right. you got that the, the, work. the team that beat North Carolina in, in the NCAA tournament, they were 283rd in block percentage. They did. They just couldn't. They couldn't defend the rim. They were eighth in length of the possession. They were 12th in adjusted tempo. That was the team that just you know couldn't. The Big 12 couldn't figure out how to guard because you had you know Niang at the five, and that that was a pretty small team. And that's a team that Fred Hoiberg references in terms of rebounding um hold on i know people may may care but they that team was a really good rebounding team because they were long and lengthy um yeah their their top three rebounding's were Mel, melvin edgem dustin hogue and deandre kane six 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 four and they averaged 8.4 rebounds 8.4 rebounds 6.8 so that's the way that they want to try and get it so that you're you're smaller but you still be able to rebound and you'll give up things at the rim but you'll allow that. It's almost right. like, a, you know, letting some kid off the bench shoot a three. You'll take, you'll give them that all day as long as you can compromise. Make them pay. Other way. Yep. Make yeah. them pay in the other way. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you said, like rebounding is, man, it's not a lot about height. Of mm-hmm. all people, I did not expect in a story this year to be quoting Bill Walton, but he had a great quote during a game. Man, let's see if I can pull it up. He had, he had a great quote during a game this season. Uh, that I was randomly watching. It was like Oregon, Arizona. <laughs> and uh, I just happened to have it on. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a perfect quote. Because it kind of, for me, it kind of summarized Creighton's team mm-hmm. and, and just basketball today of like you, a lot of times you look at the rosters and you say, oh my gosh, look how many freaks this team has, or these got this at this team's so athletic and there's no way the other team is going to have any chance at like, um, at competing with them or, or hanging in because, you know, it, it, there's, they're just too good. They got too many athletes, but mm-hmm. um, what did Bill Walton say? He said, basketball is not a game of size and strength. It's a game of skill, timing, and position. And to me like that, not only is that summarize Creighton, I mean, it summarizes the game. And you, yeah. if, you, if you emphasize, uh, skill, timing, and position—you'll—you'll you'll be all right. Even if you have smaller guys, even if you have thinner guys, like you—if you—if you're—if you're, if you're uh, able to perfect the rebounding techniques that everyone all like we've been—we were taught when we were kids. Um, it gives you a chance to, you know, to obviously you'll still be weak in certain spots, but you can again uh, make up for it in different ways. So well, here's your case in point too, real quick. How do you know how tall t- t- Dennis Rodman is? Ooh, that's a good one. Because he looks like he's about 6'10 on these highlights. Uh, you know how tall he is? I don't. He's 6'7. Interesting. And Dennis Robin, if you watched the last dance, he had fascinating part was him talking about 
That was going the to best the gym. quote. Oh my gosh, it was great. Going to the He's gym. He's like, click, 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 click. Yeah, and it was like, I just had guys shoot, just shoot. And he would just, he basically studied the art of the way the ball bounces off the rim. Right. And that's how he became, like, arguably the best rebounder in NBA history. He's 6'7". Right. You don't need to be 6'11 to finish all of you, to, to fix your rebounding problems. It's all about effort. The highlights of Dennis Rodman during this uh, Jordan documentary are, like, Oh, they're incredible. amazing. I mean, he, it, it, how many, they've got all this archive of him diving. Did he dive like every other possession or what? Cause they got all these, like all it, this man. footage of him doing these like tip, tip battles for rebounds. I know, uh, you know, diving out on, onto the, on the, off the court, saving balls out of bounds. I'm like, I forgot about this. It was tenacious, but Dude, he, yeah, he, it's not he about the size. Freak. Sometimes it doesn't matter. He, I mean, yeah. the other thing is, I mean, also his Wikipedia page is like, so long you wouldn't even believe um but he i mean he averaged 16 rebounds a game in 1994 isn't that crazy yeah i also it, it's just it, it was fascinating just watching him yeah okay i'm gonna tip it this way or tip it this way or whatever i feel like that, if you went to a bulls game in the 90s and he was like he was on the roster you had to like if you were sitting in the front row you needed like like to sign a waiver. Like I, I agree that the nachos I'm going to order are definitely going to end up on my lap because Dennis Rodman is a monster. No. <laughs> That's going to happen. Oh my gosh. Needed to bring some of those pads that the managers use at practice just to have <laughs> on hand just in case Dennis was coming at you. Um, all right, right, Chris, we've talked probably long enough, but I've enjoyed it. Um, as always follow our coverage, Omaha.com. Um, Chris has been doing some good work sort of, setting the stage i feel like for what's going to be a, a different nebraska team and the expectations that they're going to have and the way the lineup might shake out um creighton's still making some additions i got a story up right now on uh on the newest ad um from uh, six six eight forward from lithuania gosh i gotta say his name again Mo- modestus Conclaris. do you know for sure that's how you pronounce it do not know for sure <laughs> I've, I've watched some highlights and I'm going off what they said, but yeah. the thing is, is we started recording like an hour ago, so I, I wrote it down, but I need to hear it again. Right. Oh, so yeah, no, I, trust me, they, anyway. they changed the pronunciation of Ivan's name, even in the starting lineup, and whenever he scored a basket, like three times this year, even in the arena. Yeah. I mean, hell, we didn't even know how to pronounce Mitch Balak's name. Balak. I know. Balak. Until right. like six months ago. Well, I keep, I see uh, his, this guy's for, I keep seeing Modestus, and I keep wanting to say Modelo. And I don't know if that's fair because that's a beer, um, but that's where my mind's at right now. Like I don't know, the things are things are things are happening. But I do think that there should be a push to just call all these guys by their first name. Uh, I'd be down right? for that. Yeah, or do like XFL style and put their nickname on the back of their jersey. Well, especially when they got some. You know, like, Crane's got some unique guys. Some unique. They got Sharif, Denzel, yeah. Damian. Uh, that's, I mean, that's there's some there's some one name Tyshawn before he left like. Those, those are some guys that can be referred to as just one name only. Problem is Nebraska now has two Kobe's. That's right. Kobe one and Kobe two. Do they have, do they have, um, do they lead the country in Kobe's? I actually think they do. Somebody looked that up. I think they lead the country in Kobe. I mean, how many two, I mean, there, there can't be that many rosters that have more than one Kobe. Right. So that's, that's a plus. At least you got that going. (laughs) Yeah. Kid Nebraska's Kobe's take down Creighton. How we end the pod always. Uh, um, Nebraska versus Creighton today. Who'd win? Oh boy, it would depend on like who um, it plays. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, Tyson Alexander's out. Marcus Zagorowski's out. Yeah, um, I think I think right now Denzel and Damian are out. You know, doing some pro stuff. So it's basically Nebraska. So it's basically a pickup game with Nebraska's guys question, showing though. up for the first time <laughs> against Creighton's backups. Yeah, it's basically what it is. But okay, if they were to play today, everyone's out in different a different space. Like everyone's right. in their hometowns. Does Nebraska have anyone on campus right now? Um, I don't think so. Um, everybody's home. So Creighton has uh, two guys who are rehabbing: Jacob Epperson and Marcus Zagorowski. Right, they're in Omaha. Sharif Mitchell lives here, and Mitch Ballack is staying here. Yeah, let me um, think. I mean, I so think Creighton could Creighton technically wouldn't be able to field a team. They'd have four guys, and two are hurt. So right. I mean, I don't know for sure. I mean, Thor is not here. Ivan is not here. I mean, a Cole and Teddy are in Omaha. Okay, so so, so you're at least a getting Cole, a Cole. It's Teddy. a Cole and Teddy versus <laughs> Mitch Ballack 
and Sharif. Ooh, Ooh that's a good I game. I watch that. That'd <laughs> be pretty. Good good. I bet you that's really close. That that's a good game. Teddy 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 grew up on one on one, right? Like with his brother. Right. I bet you that's pretty close. Mm. I would. You know how oh, I'd, I'd, so I'd give that. I'd give the nod to to the Creighton guys on that one. I think yeah, that, there's a little bit more chemistry. That that's yeah. what it is. You know, two on two would be. And, and I know more about Reef and Mitchell's game, and how it like. I I, I just I, I know what Teddy can do. I don't know exactly what a Cole can do. You know, so like I know he's a good athlete, but yeah. like how was you know yeah. in a one on one setting? I don't know. But how much older is like Reef with Reef right? Two uh, years. So. A Cole is what he's going to be a sophomore. Reef yeah. one year older. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, so but Reef, I mean, they have to know each other, right? No doubt. And Reef, yeah. I'm sure Reef and Teddy Allen know each other too. Like Reef would guard Teddy Allen for sure, and then Mitch and Akol would be matched up. Dude, what a game! Uh, I, got, I got the Creighton guys by. Uh, well, if okay. They, say we're they, going they to play, 15. They play, 15 no, they ones, play and ones and twos. The fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the Creighton guys win like fifteen eleven. Yeah, I was about to say. I think it's like fifteen eleven. If, are they, but well, I think if they play again, they it's playing, like fifteen to fourteen or fifteen to thirteen, and Teddy scores fifteen. Are they playing inside or outside? Because if it's inside, you know Mitch Bell is just going to rain threes from thirty feet. Yeah, I mean it's got to be outside. I think. Okay. Right. So like that kind of it might. Even, I think outside even the gap is, a little bit. Outside makes it advantage, not advantage, but it, it evens the playing field right. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. All right. I am so sports starved that like that sounds so appealing. <laughs> the idea of two on two basketball between yeah, uh, yeah in a hypothetical game, but that's where we're at. Um, fun pod always, Chris. Thanks for joining me and and chatting with me and going off the rails a little bit. But you bet. That's what we do. We'll be back uh, in the near future to talk some more Creighton and Nebraska hoops. Thank you for listening. See you later.